Hello, I'm Brooke Johnson. Welcome to my father's podcast. For this week's message, or any of the messages in our archive, subscribe for free on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Bethel Christian Fellowship is a church that relies on the support of its community. We consider you a part of that community, and we would love for you to participate in our financial life. You can do that at our website at drcraigjohnson.org. Whether you're new to this space or a regular pod listener, we're glad you're here. We believe that this message will bring you hope, encouragement, and guidance. God bless you. Good morning, saints. Could we greet our streamers right now? Bless you. We want to thank you, boy. It's good to see you again. My goodness. Mike has always performed his magic, and uh, our equipment was stolen last week. But Mike has got us up and running today. So can we put our hands together and thank God for Mike Fuller. We love you, Mikey. We love you. Everybody, welcome. Gretchen just handed me some freshwater pearls. And I want to greet all of our viewers today with some freshwater pearls. You remember the story of the pearl? It's the only God-made jewel. A little bit of irritation comes into the soft shell and the clam cannot expel it. And so slowly but surely, it begins to coat that discomfort with nicure. It's a mother of pearl fluid. And through coating and coating and coating, all of a sudden, over time, as we coat the difficulty with a beautiful act of God's grace and mercy, you wind up with these wonderful things. Now, these are freshwater pearls. They're a little off in shape. We're used to uh, the fake pearls. We're used to those perfectly round little Jackie O pearls, which actually are not. Those are man-made. Now, they will inject a difficult thing inside, and they will man-produce and manufacture those perfectly round pearls that you see at the mall all the time, but those aren't real. Those are man-made pearls. But I happen to be holding today, Gretchen, which thank you. This is going in the offering. God bless her for her generosity. But freshwater pearls aren't perfect. They're a little oblong. They're a little bit off. But they are God-made. So today I want to just greet all of my God-made pearls. And beloved, the work God is doing in and through you has been difficult. And it has been painful. And it has involved discomfort. But slowly, slowly, God has been allowing us to cover all of those rough places with nacure, with mercy, with grace, and with kindness. And you are going to be linked together. And another thing about this necklace, we've all been individual pearls going through our process of development. But did you know Jesus is starting to bring his pearls together? He is, we are living in a time today, we've got an interesting message. We're in our series on Samuel, but we're going to highlight for all my Samuels today a unique perspective of Samuel's life. He was an Ephraimite. Samuel was from Ephraim. What does that mean? You'll know in a minute. You can win your friends and impress your enemies. This necklace is a prophetic act. The Lord is bringing all of the pearls that you're called to be linked to, and he's bringing them into your life. One may be in England. You see, sometimes we forget that we're not being made in independence by ourselves, but we're the body of Christ. And the Lord is, is starting to put his necklaces together and his bracelets together together. 
And he's calling from the east, the west, the north, and the south. All the people we need in our lives that we've never had in our lives before are on the way. So get the coffee going and the donuts ready and put your welcome mat out because the Lord is, is going to be uniting you with all of the pearls that are set. You can't fulfill your destiny unless you're linked up with all the pearls of legacy that God is bringing. So Gretchen, with that analogy, I'll give these to Vicki. Vicki, just pass them around. There we go. If they make it back, it's the will of God, Gretchen. If not, there's trouble. Today, the age of Samuel, part six. And we, we are going to talk about the atmosphere of Ephraim. Let me start with a text, if I could, in Genesis 41, 51, and 52. God's final healings in this season are not going to be done through more trouble. You don't need more trouble, do you? How many of you want more pressure? <laughs> if you've noticed in this season right now, there's a lot of scuttlebutt going around. The enemy's trying to rattle the cage of all of God's people. But that is a backhanded compliment. If you're being attacked right now, good news. The enemy's frightened of you. And there's nothing he can do about your development in your eyes, little pearl. You're just about ready to be put on the string. You're just about ready to be united, and there's nothing he can do. So don't worry about him. He's a loud mouth. But did you know the final healing? I think we, we don't need 25 years of counseling, maybe most of us. We pretty much know the major issues in our life. But did you know some things we learn through crushing? Some lessons are learned. You crush the grape and you get the wine. You crush the olive and you get the oil. But certain blessings, and I would call them final deliverances and final healings, come through fruitfulness. There are certain healings that only come through blessing. You know what it feels like when all of a sudden you don't need to worry about that rent. Do you, do you ever had an influx for a while? A little, little bunch of money comes in and, and you don't need to worry about absolutely everything. There's a, there's a sense of fullness and there's a delicious sense of, hmm, that feels good. Well, there are certain healings that only come through fruitfulness. Listen to Genesis 41, 51 and 52. It says, Joseph named his firstborn Manasseh and said, it is because God has made me forget all my trouble and all my father's household. Manasseh means to forget, to forget. Joseph, at the end of his life, in the midst of his fruitfulness, his destiny is fulfilled, every need is met. He names his two children. The first one is Manasseh. It means, you have made me to forget Notice all the pain of my father's house. Some of us sustained a lot of pain in our father's homes. Family of origin can be a very devilish place as well as a safe place. But Joseph, at the cusp of blessing, says, You've made me forget all the pain of my father's house. And his second son's name was Ephraim. It is because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. So he has two kids. Manasseh means you've made me forget. Ephraim means I've been healed and made forgetful through fruitfulness. There's just a blessing of fruitfulness that will heal you of the last vestiges of inner healing that you're struggling with right now. 
you know, they say, well, money, money doesn't solve everything. Well, I'd like to be in a position one day to contest that. Um, <laughs> diamonds just don't make you happy. I'll try. Uh, there's something, beloved, about healing. Ephraim, and look at the name Ephraim, because we're going to follow that name today. Because Samuel, the great prophet, and we're going through his life because every one of you in this season are Samuels. All my little Samuels, men, women, boys, and girls. The characteristics of Samuel's prophetic ministry apply to us as we're standing on the brink of the greatest outpouring of God in human history. It's not here yet, but oh, I can smell a little waft of the fragrance of God's presence increasing. His presence is increasing if you've noticed it. And the enemy is so paranoid right now that he's throwing everything he has at it. Do you know the last battle the Germans had was called the Battle of the Bulge, the Ardennes Offensive? Did you know Hitler had one more battle that he tried to stave off the Allies? There's a movie called The Battle of the Bulge. If you know anything about it, it was the most fierce battle. Anyone that fought on our side felt it was Armageddon. They felt it was the end of the world. Hitler threw everything in that he had to one battle, including the kitchen sink. He threw everything in. It was such a wall of terror that the Allies thought, oh my God, if this is just the beginning and he's got more of this to give, we're going to fail. But actually, if you knew the truth, he was throwing in everything he had in a hopeless endeavor to stop the Allies. And as soon as the last bullet was fired, we went right in. And, the, and, and, and Hitler's empire was crushed and collapsed utterly. So the enemy is now doing a battle of the bulge He's almost out of bullets on his end. He's hoping to God that you just go and kill yourself or quit because there's nothing he has behind the facade of these most recent attacks. When, when, I, when, when I had a little health scare and, and then uh, hospitalized twice in a row and then uh, Mike, uh, all the equipment was, was stolen from us last week, I laughed. I didn't cry. I started a belly laugh. Because I thought, this poor devil. You know, there, there was an old healing evangelist years ago, and he was quite renowned. And uh, he used to speak to 100,000 people a night. And uh, he and his wife, uh, Osborne, his name was uh, Teal Osborne. And Teal Osborne and his wife, Daisy, were doing a huge healing seminar, 100,000 people. And they came off the platform, and their six-year-old daughter was behind the speakers praying. And she was praying for the devil. She said, Lord, I'm praying for the devil. I don't know who he is, but my mom and dad keep throttling him and kicking his butt. So whoever he is, the six-year-old is praying for the devil because their parents were uprooting him. Well, bless her heart. She's in a home now. But the point is, she was cute at six. The enemy is terrified that you keep standing and that you just brush it off. I remember heard Pastor Joel tell a story a long time ago about an old donkey and, and the master didn't want him anymore and he took him and he just threw him down in a pit. And the poor donkey's like in a hole. And, and the guy starts, you know, taking his shovel and pouring dirt on him. And, 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 and the poor donkey's down there terrified, but it says that he shook the dust off and took a step up. He shook the dust off and he took a step up. Beloved, shake it off and take a step up. It's our time now. Everything you've ever waited for 
We're on the cusp. So don't let discouragement and disappointment rule the day. Shake it off. Take a step up. So today I want to talk about that fact of healing through fruitfulness. Think about it if the last little bit of inner healing isn't a deliverance meeting where you have to spit up in a bag or it isn't paying a therapist $100 for 20 minutes and it happens to be just the Lord, just the wind of favor blows in your direction and some fruitfulness lands, financially, emotionally, spiritually, whatever it is. It's Ephraim. It's fruit. And notice Joseph says, you've made me to forget all the pain of my father's house through fruitfulness in the land of his suffering. God didn't take him out of Egypt. He blessed him in Egypt. He's going to bless you right where you are. You don't have to go seeking it somewhere at a conference. There's always a hundred conferences going on. Have you noticed that? Come here and where it is the worship conference and the children's conference and the deliverance conference and the revival conference. I'm so tired of conferences. Dennis and I always talk together about, remember in the Gospels when uh, the Bible says that uh, Jesus blessed Peter and said, he said, go out and throw your net on the other side of the boat. Peter had fished all night. He was an expert of the Sea of Galilee, and he couldn't catch a fish. He has taken his expensive nets. He's washed them clean. He's folded them up, all right? He's going to go to bed, and the Lord Jesus comes up and says, Peter, would you go out again? And he's thinking, here, this preacher, he knows his area, but I'm Lord of this lake. There are not fish this time of day. And but he says, Jesus, um, a little tired, toiled all night and caught nothing. But nevertheless, at thy word, I'll go out. So he goes out and he throws the net on the other side of the boat. And all of a sudden, the net is teeming with fish and the weight is overwhelming and his boat begins to sink. Can you imagine fruitfulness in your life so wonderful that it would start to kill you? You're almost going to die for fruitfulness. <laughs> it's not Craig coming into ER again with a blood pressure issue. He's coming in because he's so rich and so happy that he's passed out. And we need to give him some fluids to help him wake up so he can enjoy his blessing again. Peter's boat is under the weight of utter ruin. And then it says the other boats came around to help him. We only need the other boats to come around when there's fruit enough that's drowning us. But we keep calling boat meetings. You know what I mean? We're going to have another boat meeting on Tuesday. Come and join us. I, I don't want a boat meeting when there's no fish in the net. I don't want uh, people giving testimony of how there was fish in the net. When I was 12, there was so much fish in the net that we all died. You know, okay. Um, I don't want to hear testimonies about what God did in the 40s and the 50s and the 60s. I don't want to keep calling boat meetings when there's no weight and there's no reason for us all to get together. But when those nets were filled with fish to the point of sinking Peter's boat, I think Peter was scared and happy all at the same time. What a, what a rush. So the Lord is bringing the final healings that we need, but he's going to do it through fruitfulness. So there's the name Ephraim, fruitfulness. Don't you love Joseph? And isn't it interesting? Do you remember the story of Joseph? And he was going to bless his, his two kids. And, and he wanted Jacob, his daddy, to bless his two children. Now, do you remember who the younger one was? It was Ephraim and Manasseh. 
the firstborn was Manasseh. And so Jacob is old and blind, and, and Joseph positions Manasseh at the right hand of Jacob because Joseph's in control of this whole thing and knows how it's going to go, just like you are, right? Okay, action set the stage. Okay, right hand goes in the, in the firstborn, which is what the theme normally is, and it's what the Bible says, that the double portion goes to the firstborn. And then Ephraim is put on his left hand because Joseph is absolutely certain how this is going to go. I don't know how many of you are absolutely certain how God's going to move and how he's going to do it because he's always done it a certain way. And the Bible says when Jacob went to pray, he crossed his arms and he put his right hand on the head of Ephraim, the secondborn, and his left hand on the head of the firstborn. And, and Joseph goes, no, what are you doing, you crazy old blind man? I'd love to see this part of Joseph. He was still fallen flesh like your fallen flesh. Joseph, who always walks around with birdie sounds, oh, isn't he wonderful, Joseph? Joseph tries to break the old man's arms, switching his arms. He goes, Dad, no, Dad, no, no, you don't do it that way. You put your right hand on the firstborn that gets all the blessing and your left hand on the other kid, but you don't. He crossed his arms, and God is crossing his arms in this season. He's putting his right hand a blessing on people you would never let him touch. Jesus tends to pick the wackiest folk. I keep saying everybody you hate in the culture is going to be the leader that you have to submit to in the future. It's just the way God moves. We hate this group and that group and God's with this one and not with that one. Hold on, because he's going to save all the people you hate and make them disciple you, and you'll have to submit to them putting hands on you. They're not going to touch me. Yes, they are. God crosses his arms. He's confusing everybody right now. And we found with the Apostle Paul that when God wants to confuse the devil, he confuses his people first. See, when you're dumb and you don't know where you're going and you're wandering around just trusting and doing the next right thing and you don't know where you're going, well, then the devil certainly doesn't know where you're going. And we saw the Apostle Paul in Acts 16. He wanders 300 miles out of the way, keeps getting no's, closed doors wherever he goes. God goes, you can't go to Bithynia. No, you can't go to Mysia. No, you can't. Now, Paul didn't know where he is. I'm sure he had a good look, though, like he was led by God. We shall go this way. And then it, there was a no. And it, he wandered 300 miles all over the place and wound up eventually at Troy. But the point is, God allowed Paul and his party to be confused and not know where they were going because he was trying to confuse the enemy, too. The devil is not omniscient. He isn't all-knowing. you got too high of an opinion. Your devil picture is too high. He's not like God, but a little different. He is a creature like you, and he's fallen, and he doesn't know the future at all. And he can't read your mind ever. So it's like, oh, my God. I remember I told my daughter that. She said, Daddy, I thought I've been having internal dialogues with demons all my life. I said, well, honey, he can't read your mind. That was all you talking to you. Well, it's good to know. We tend to grant him more significance than he should have. He's only a creature. Whatever his power is beyond yours, you can always tell the devil, you're only a creature. You're only a creature. And so when Paul was confused, the enemy was confused. The demons don't know where to go because they're following us because they think we're following God. And God sometimes will just simply let you wander in circles for a season of your life and go, well, that's not nice. 
Well, he also uses us as bait to amp up the argument a little bit. Remember the children of Israel are going through the Red Sea, and God says there the red meat Pharaoh is going to, is salivating for. And the Bible says Moses was told by God, lead the two million people that you're leading right now, turn around and lead them into a cul-de-sac. Beth Safon, Baal Safon it was called. And Moses goes, excuse me? And he goes, I want you to lead all the people, turn around and lead them into a dead end where they can't get out. Moses goes, you know, I don't know how this is going to play, but God knew that Pharaoh would see them go in the dead end, and he knew how much he wanted the red meat, that he used his people as bait. Honey, I know you're sophisticated and anointed and called to a high work, but not before first God uses you as bait sometimes. So he baits the devil, Pharaoh and his army, with all his people going into a dead end. And then once he, they're there, he lures them further, and then he opens the Red Sea at the last minute. God's almost always late. He is. You can put that in a tattoo. Just not visible. Okay. Too many tattoos, but that's another sermon. He'll use you as red meat. And did you know, as they were being chased, and they were probably having coronaries. They're running through the water on dry ground, mind you, but they're being followed to a man by the entire army of Egypt. And the Bible says God waited for the last hoof of the enemy to, to go in that water, and then he closed the water. One fell swoop. He's doing the same thing right now. So Ephraim is fruitfulness. He's going to heal the final issues in your life by blessing you. So look for emotional refreshment, financial refreshment, uh, good turnarounds for you. You know, the house that we are in now, we were able to buy this house. We've been there four years. My mother died years ago, and she had a house in Victorville, and my brother was in charge of it. And, uh, but little did I know that he sold that house, and we got down to the moment that we had to have a down payment for this house in Moore Park, and my, I got a check in the mail for $45,000 out of nowhere for my brother. And I called and said, <laughs> Felix Unger, <laughs> what is this? He goes, oh, that's mom's house. We sold it. We didn't mention it to you, but this is your part in the house sale. That was the down payment that we needed at the moment. Now, come on. I know I hear miracle stories all the time, and I've never experienced them. I grew up with that. It makes me mad when I hear a miracle story, but that one is true. And it was so unexpected, and I didn't even know the house was for sale, and I didn't even know it was worth anything. It was just a nasty little place in Victorville. And yet God surprised me with fruitfulness. Now, I did do somewhat of a fruitful dance when I got that 45000 I did a little of this, and I think I backed up a bit. It was a dance unto the Lord too holy for you to see. I even mimicked too much of it there. You don't cast your pearl before swine. Give what is holy to the dogs, not one more minute. He's bringing fruitfulness in a new way, beloved, to heal the final wounds. I also want to read uh, just some texts to confirm that. Listen to 
First Chronicles 22, verse 9. Listen to this. But you will have a son, God is talking to David. David wants to build a temple to the Lord. David says, look at all the fruitfulness I've been given. Look, I have a palace made of cedar. I'm sitting here, and, 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 and there's the old Ark of the Covenant out there in a tent. Why is the Lord in a tent? I want to build a house. Great idea. Have you ever had a good idea? Good. And a God idea, even. But David said, I'm going to build the Lord a house. And, and uh, initially, everybody goes, oh, that's a great idea. And then Nathan the prophet comes back and says, David, honey, you're a man of blood. God used you to kill all the enemies. But you're going to have a son. Listen to what he says in First Chronicles 22, 9. But you will have a son who will be a man of peace and rest. And I will give him rest from all his enemies on every side. His name will be Solomon, and I will grant his robe peace and quiet during his reign. Get this image in your mind. Peace on the east, west, north, and south. Can you imagine? 2 Samuel 7, 1 says, And it came to pass that God gave David rest from all of his enemies, east, west, north, and south. Hmm. Savor that. What would you do if you woke up and there was peace on the east, the west, the north, and south, up, down, in, and out? And then listen to 1 Kings 5, 4, and 5. But now the Lord my God has given me rest on every side, and there is no adversity or disaster. I intend, therefore, to build a temple for the name of the Lord my God. This is Solomon talking. As the Lord told my father David when he said, Your son, whom I will put on the throne in your place, will build the temple for my name. Notice the conjoined imagery of rest and building. Rest first. You've got to have peace on all four sides of your kingdom before you can lay down in order for you to sleep, in order for you to dream, in order for you to build. See, many of you have been so harassed every decade of your life that you're robbing Peter to pay Paul and you're just, you know, you run into yourself coming and going. And I was always the guy, you should have seen what happened just before you got here and just after you left. You know, everything is just sort of, you're, you're in process, you're running here, there, and you're, you're just catching your breath. And, and, and the Lord says, you know, I'm now going to let peace come to the east, west, north, and south, all four corners of your kingdom, because you need to be able to rest and sleep in order to dream, in order to build. Rest first building second. By the way, that was a heck of a building project that Solomon did, wasn't it? One of the wonders of the ancient world actually was it eclipsed all of those. Let me just read another flavored verse here, Joshua 21, 44, and the Lord gave them rest round about according to all that he swore unto their fathers, and there stood not a man of all their enemies before them. Isn't that delicious? Rest. Ephraim, fruitfulness. Joshua 23, 1, And it came to pass a long time after that the Lord had given rest to all Israel from all their enemies round about that Joshua waxed old and stricken in age. Are you hearing the theme? So the name Ephraim speaks of fruitfulness, right? So when you hear Ephraim, you need to go, 
Oh, Ephraim is the fruitful son that healed Joseph of all the pain of his father's house. Okay. So when you hear there's a tribe of Ephraim, and they wound up being the bodyguards of the Ark of the Covenant. They used to protect the Ark. Well, it says Samuel. Now, we've been looking at his traits. He's a prophet. He's a seer. He, he functions as in a priestly capacity. He's a Nazarite. He's, he wears all these hats, which is what we're unpacking every week. But the one I'm going to unpack, which I've never heard unpacked before, is he's an Ephraimite. Now, it's interesting. There are three judges in the period of the judges. The fourth judge, the eleventh judge, and the fifteenth judge. Deborah. And the strangest man you're ever going to hear about, and you know you're going to hear it from me. Craig always teaches from these obscure passages. Yes, he does. And here's the best one I've done in years. We're going to talk about the atmosphere of Ephraim. Samuel was from Ephraim. What does that mean? During Samuel's prophetic reign, there was a time of peace, a supernatural season of rest on the east, west, north, south. You go, Craig, this is too good to believe. Don't get my hopes up. I'm not doing anything. He told me to talk about this today, and it's an odd enough subject I did argue a bit. He said, talk about the Ephraim atmosphere. I thought, oh, that's really going to win friends. And Well, that book would actually fly off the shelves and knock most of the charismatics unconscious. But the atmosphere of Ephraim, that Samuel was an Ephraimite, demonstrates a facet that belongs to all of you, Samuels, young and old and in between. The Lord's giving you a season. Now you're entering into a season of rest. Don't know how long it's going to last, but it's going to be peace east, west, north, south. And listen to this beautiful text about Samuel. Because the Philistines were ruling the roost. But the scripture says when Samuel came to power, 1 Samuel 7, and listen, I'm going to read in verse 7. It said, and when the Philistines heard that the children of Israel were gathered together at Mizpah, the Lord of the Philistines went up against Israel, and when the children of Israel heard it, they were afraid of the Philistines. And the children of Israel said to Samuel, uh-oh, go, go get daddy, right? Go get Samuel, and they're going to be looking for you too because the Philistines are massing. Imagine a few tens of thousands of the enemies that want to eat you for dinner are starting to approach your city. And it says they went to Samuel, and they said, Cease not to cry unto the Lord our God for us, and he will save us out of the hand of the Philistines. And Samuel took a lamb and offered it for a burnt offering, holy unto the Lord. And Samuel cried unto the Lord for Israel, and the Lord heard him. And as Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, listen to this, the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel. But the Lord thundered with a great thunder on that day upon the Philistines and discomforted them. Don't you love the King James? discomforted them with the emerald and the, oh, the Philistines and discomforted them and they were smitten before Israel. And the men of Israel went out of Mizpah and they pursued the Philistines and smote them until they came to Bethkar. Then Samuel took a stone and he set it up named Ebenezer, which means hitherto has the Lord helped us. Now listen to verse 13. So the Philistines were subdued and they came no more unto the coast of Israel 
and the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. All of Samuel's reign, the enemies were contained. They were blocked out. They'd been given the freedom to do whatever they could do for as long as they could do it, but the Lord drew a line in the sand, and he said, when Samuel speaks, and when the Samuels come to prominence, that's it. The enemy is muzzled. And all the days of Samuel, and the cities which the Philistines had taken from Israel were restored to Israel from Ekron, even unto Gath, and the coasts thereof. Did Israel deliver out of the hands of the Philistines, and there was peace between Israel and the Amorites? The atmosphere of Ephraim. As long as he lived, the enemy was muzzled. As long as that Samuel anointing is in force, east, west, north, south, peace. Well, there's never been peace before. And boy, when he gets old, you get a little nervous, don't you? Daddy, you're getting a little old there. <laughs> What's going to happen when you pass? Well, I could go into that story, but that's for another week. Well, I want you to see that. So the atmosphere of Ephraim I'm talking about, there are three judges who are said to be from Ephraim. One is Deborah. The only fem- She was the fourth judge of Israel, and she was the only female judge. And what an amazing judge she was. It says she was from Ephraim. Oh, gosh. And you know what happened? Warfare through Deborah conquered the enemies of Israel. Deborah was from Ephraim. Deborah herself bore the atmosphere of peace. And the scripture says that she lived 60 years, she reigned, 20 years of battle and 40 years of peace. It says when Deborah was done battling, and you know she supported manhood, Deborah lifted up Barak. Deborah was the only woman judge, but she is always seen encouraging and refreshing manhood. Barak was a sort of a weak leader and he was sent out to battle, and he said, Deborah, I'm sorry, I can't go, but if you go with me, I can go. And she didn't rebuke him. She said, I'll go with you. Deborah, her name means a bee. Hmm? You're a bunch of bees, my Bethel bees. You're always extracting the best out of everything and cross-pollinating everything else. Come on now. She was a bee, but she was from Ephraim. So you see the same pattern after warfare extensive warfare, and her, her season is where Jael nailed the head of Sisera into the ground. Amen. You know, <laughs> I always love that one. Everybody's asleep until that part comes up, and they go, yeah, the woman did what? Yeah. It was Jabin. It was the 900 chariots, right? I mean, Deborah, on her watch, saw a manifestation, almost went into Dick Mills, saw a manifestation of evil that was paroxysmatic. She saw more hassle in battle, but it ended in peace for 40 years. Notice that fragrance of Ephraim. So she's the first judge from Ephraim. Whenever you see a judge from Ephraim, you see that catastrophic peace on the east, west, north, and south. And that's why the Lord's saying to you today, I'm going to bring peace to all four corners of your life now. 
That's the heritage of Samuels. This is the heritage of those from Ephraim. And of course, my favorite now, a man you've never heard of in the Bible and never will again. The 11th judge of Israel, hallelujah, <laughs> after Deborah, we have Abdon. Abdon, his name means service. Judges 12, 13 through 25. He was the 11th judge of Israel, and he is not known for military exploits. He couldn't carry a knife. But the Bible says he was from Ephraim. Uh-oh, our second Ephraimite. And he bore the atmosphere of Ephraim. He only reigned eight years, but he had no military prowess. But what he had was fruitfulness beyond comprehension. This guy had 40 sons, 30 grandsons, and 70 donkeys. <laughs> yeah, 40 and 30, and of course, 70. <laughs> Rick, you have to add that to your list now. That's his favorite text. This guy could not shoot a BB gun, but he had a fruitfulness and an influence and a multiplication. It was just insane. <laughs> Do you know how many women there? <laughs> and this doesn't even mention his daughters, right? Abdon the Ephraimite. Okay, he doesn't do anything for eight years except probably sleep because he's exhausted. You know. Daddy, grandpa, daddy, grandpa. You know, it's like, ah! you know but <laughs> eight years, he's a judge, right? He doesn't fire an arrow. But the Bible says he just, just expands in influence. <laughs> <laughs> legacy you know remember george barner wrote the book the elephant and the rabbit elephants are mega churches you, you they're unique you can never get them to mate you can play music watch film <laughs> nothing <laughs> nothing you know it's just like i don't know and but you put rabbits you turn your back and get coffee and come back and they've multiplied right and 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 the book the elephant and the rabbit says small is the new big right Moving forward, Abdon just had to try to sleep and rest, and his legacy is expanding. It's that atmosphere of Ephraim, all right? Now, you've never heard of him, but doesn't that just, isn't that delicious? By the way, I didn't mention, because he wasn't a judge, Joshua was an Ephraimite. Do you wonder if there's anybody that exceeded, you know, excelled at warfare, and then brought utter and complete order and peace all four sides. I read you the verse earlier, and it came to pass that just before he died, there was peace on all four sides, east, west, north, south. Praise God. It's the atmosphere of Ephraim. It's coming to you now. This is the season. You can't rest in order to sleep, in order to dream, in order to build, if you are fighting 24 hours a day, all four sides. Well, some of you, I can. Sleep like a baby. But we're not teaching me today. We're teaching Abdon of Ephraim. All right. So we have Deborah, the Ephraimitess, Abdon, the Ephraimite, and we have Samuel, 15th judge of Israel. So the Philistines were subdued, and they stopped invading Israel's history throughout all Samuel's lifetime, and the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines. Beloved, this is the most delicious little snapshot in the whole Samuel series, and we are in the age of Samuel, and it's going to go as long as I last. Amen. But today, the Ephraimite atmosphere. 
I just want to pray that upon you, beloved. It's been such a battle for years. And you know, God honored Samuel. He's honoring the Samuels of our generation. By the way, only the Samuels can, can lead this movement that's coming because only Samuels can bear the weight of the glory that's coming. You know, you've been prepared your whole life to bear that weight. And if you aren't, it'll crush you. But you know, Samuel had the squared shoulders to bear this. Jeremiah 15, 1 says, Then the Lord said to me, Even if Moses and Samuel were to stand before me, my heart would not go out to these people. Samuel's mentioned with Moses, in league with Moses, as someone with squared shoulders, strong enough to, in his intimacy with the Lord, change his mind about things. And God throws those two guys out. Even if Moses and Samuel were here, I wouldn't change my mind. Well, evidently, they, they had some influence with the Holy One, right? And that's why your intimacy with him is the most important thing. People don't care what you know. They want to know that you care. And you know what? Facts are nice, but <sighs> mercy and grace and just bearing the atmosphere of Ephraim everywhere you go, right? Not only are you, all four corners of your kingdom at rest, but you communicate that four-cornered peace to everybody, right? What if everybody you touched all of a sudden had peace in the east, west, north, south? Second Samuel 7, 1 said, And it came to pass that David sat in his house, and God had given him rest from all of his enemies. Isn't that a beautiful, beautiful image? Psalm 99, 6 says, Moses and Aaron were among his priests. Samuel was among those who called on his name. They called to the Lord, and he answered. Intimacy is what Samuels have. They're not just Holy Ghost fat cats and Steve Stunnings and Rufus Glitterteeths. They bear an intimacy with the Lord, and they're not weird about it. I mean, Samuel was a great guy. I mean, people did shake, though, when he came in. <laughs> no, not because I don't think he was mean. I mean, we don't know how winsome he was, but the Scripture says that everyone who met him shook because they knew whatever he said was going to happen. So he goes to Bethlehem to do an offering to visit the house of Jesse, and, and the leaders come and say, is it well? Is it well? Because whatever he says next is what's going to happen. So he says, no, no, we're good. <laughs> oh, Lord. Now, these are the leaders also that came later and said, we don't want you anymore. We want a king. So, amen. Leaders aren't the begin all and end all at all times. You've got to judge them too. I want to pray for this beautiful presence to come upon you, beloved, right now. The atmosphere of Ephraim. You're a Samuel, too. You're one of the great Samuels of this generation. And part of that is going to be wherever you go, the enemy is bound. And wherever you go, you're communicating a peace in east, west, north, south. Not just because you have it, but because what you have you can give to others. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray a beautiful, sweet touch upon your lambs today, God. Your mighty... Deborah's, your influential abdons, Lord, that just have to just sit and be prosperous. They just have to sleep as they make money, God. That you would bring a deep felt sense. Finally, not just peace on the east, west, and the north, 
with one gaping window open or doors not quite locked. But Father, we pray that you would press the enemy out of our sphere of influence, squeeze the toothpaste out of the tube, and, and fill us up with a sense of Ephraim, Lord. Let fruitfulness heal the remaining woundedness of our life, Lord. No more trouble and sorrows, but let fruitfulness, blessing, and favor be the final healing balm to the souls and minds and hearts of your precious children. And Lord, we thank you so much that whereas so many hearing my voice have felt that the hedge in their life has dropped, something happened somewhere somehow and dropped the hedge and all the Job stuff has been happening. I thank you, Lord, that you're a God who can raise the hedge too. And you're raising hedges right now upon your precious children. The reason that they will have peace east, west, north, and south is because there is a hedge of thorns being raised up by your mighty hand to cover them and theirs. A hedge of thorns the enemy cannot even see, see us anymore. We're blind to him. So he doesn't even have a target to hit. And those and all that belongs to us will also be covered with a hedge, Lord, that you're raising right now. The very atmosphere of Ephraim, we, we receive it in the name of Jesus. Can you praise him for it? Can you receive it in Jesus' name? Wouldn't that be lovely? A weight of rest. Oh, my goodness, my goodness. You know, recently uh, I had some health scares, but what's beautiful about it is it makes you a little more mindful. You know, mindfulness like I've, I've spent my life wandering through rooms 100 miles an hour with one eye <laughs> covered and, and just a speed, just a heightened pace. But when you have to slow down a bit, and it was a blood pressure-related thing, by the way, thank you for all your prayers, which were symptoms I never had before in my life. So I'm used to usually, you know, take an extra Diet Coke and boost myself or something. But the blood pressure symptoms were just loony. It was just sort of like you're, you're drunk and you're toxic and it's just sort of just funky. But they regulated it, so it's okay. But what I pulled out of that now is I'm walking a little more deliberately and I'm, I'm acting a little more deliberately. And when I pick Michael up, who's 120 pounds now, I'm bracing myself and lifting with the legs. Are you lifting with your legs? Uh, they don't know anything about it. I'm lifting with my legs. <laughs> Because I pulled him a little bit and jacked my back up for three days and said, I'm getting your lessons, Lord. So I'm a little bit more deliberate. I'm a little bit more thoughtful. It slowed me down just enough for it's a blessing. It's a blessing. But what a thought that we've lived long enough to see the atmosphere of Ephraim. Samuel had it. He walked in it. He lived in it. Didn't even notice it after a while. But the Philistines could not do jack during his reign. So maybe God will put a bubble around the body of Christ and the Samuels of heaven just to, just to extend that out. Thank you, Jesus. Well, amen. That's all I've got. Rick, do you have anything to share? Since we've got a live mic here and I'm done early? I'm done early. Ha! Rick says this is early. The smart aleck has entered the room. <laughs> <laughs> and there was going to be peace on all four sides of your kingdom. But uh, <laughs> come on, brother. I'm sorry to pull you up. Uh, I, you know, I've done it all my life. So here's, here's my favorite teacher in the world, Pastor Rick David. Yay! 
Thank you very much. Don't make me rend my garments. <laughs> uh, well, I'm excited about the revivals I'm hearing about. Asbury and uh, I guess four or five others, right? And it It feels like popcorn on the stove. You get that one pop, that first pop you're waiting for, for 40 years. <laughs> and then another pop, 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 pop. And it feels like the season we're in. Looking forward to God's popcorn. Amen. And also, I noticed right away, very... It seemed, I mean, it was a beautiful outpouring from the testimonies I saw online of people that were there. Very sweet, anointing people were saying. All the kids praying for each other. And then as I'm going through Facebook or YouTube or whatever, you, you know, you come across the critics. 45 minutes on what is not right about the Asbury. <laughs> like, there wasn't even anything really offensive about it. But, well, we don't like that uh, heresy music they're singing from, you know. <laughs> like, what? What? <laughs> and, uh, I saw a funny meme about it. A guy was saying that he says, um, us, Lord, give us revival. God, okay, us. Here's my list of criticisms and critiques about the revival you just gave. <laughs> <laughs> and then he wrote on the bottom, see, that's why we can't have nice things. <laughs> So uh, looking forward to this season very much and seeing the popcorn uh, bubbling off the stove. And uh, I saw the movie, The Jesus Revolution, and it really was refreshing to see. It's Greg Laurie's point of view. Um, I posted on my Facebook, I, I, I dig into stuff. And I posted a number of interviews. I posted one interview with his brother, Lonnie Br Frisbee's brother. And so there's a lot more to that story. And um, so I, I thought, this is such a sweet anointing and they're finding offense with it. What are they going to do when God really does... really does something offensive oh my goodness gracious you know reaching out to christian students in a christian university and that's a problem <laughs> and but they they granted you know it's fine them praying for each other and i'm like well thank you for that allowance 
but if something is started by the Holy Spirit, it doesn't end on 2 p.m. on Sunday. I'm like, well, it does if the administrators put a lock on the door and say, you know, <laughs> we're going back to regular services. I mean, it wasn't their fault. I'm sure the Holy Spirit would have stayed longer. <laughs> Who knows what went on? Who knows how many parents called and said, hey, um, do I get my tuition money back? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. But uh, hearing that it's showing up on other campuses is really fun because that makes you feel like this is more of a season, not just uh, something that is a one-time thing. So looking forward to that. And um, also, you know, the Lord is shown in Scripture when, well, throughout the Gospels, when Jesus moved, it offended the people that you would think wouldn't be offended, the ones who knew the Bible the most. I don't know why that part of the story doesn't get emphasized more. But, so, you know, no matter how much I... I think I know this principle. <laughs> he can still get me. What? God would not do it that way. <laughs> so as soon as we start hearing, God would not do it that way. I mean, there were certain guys on the radio, whatever ministry they attacked, I thought, this is like a roadmap. Go out there and see what God's doing. So we're, we're, uh, we're going to see a lot of beautiful things of the Holy Spirit and his sheep outside the fold pulled into the fold. And a lot of, um, I think, signs and wonders, too. Healings and deliverances. And, and uh, there are people on their knees now that asking for God's mercy that we would not even expect. And... God has got their name in his book. So, um, Heavenly Father, I just pray that we would be open and given ears to ear, hear and eyes to see what you're doing in this time and join with it. And uh, we look forward to everything your hand is involved in, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. joy to see you today good to see you this was short today i know well i'm telling you we've 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 shrunk a bit but you know it's so beautiful uh, many of you watching this was katherine kuhlman's pulpit and um you look at this woman if you don't know anything about her she was a female evangelist in a time when that was the most offensive, horrifying thing ever. She was a Pentecostal female evangelist. Uh-oh. Then she was a divorced Pentecostal female evangelist. Every strike in the book, remember back in 48 through the 50s, right? The worst albatross you could have around your neck is a preacher. And first of all, there were no female preachers in the majority of the church world everywhere, right? We, you know, we go to Amy Simple McPherson. You know, well, yeah, well, there's like two, her and Catherine. And she was a fragile, frail, precious 
saint, every strike against her and no one would listen to her. And the preachers would send word ahead when she would go into a town that the divorced female evangelist, healing evangelist, let's add healing to that, uh, was coming, so don't go to the meetings. Well, the meetings were packed, stem to stern, because they were told, don't go. She's of the devil. Same time, you know, same. And, um, but she was, she preached, the majority of her ministry was just sort of groups about this big, 25 years preaching the gospel, <laughs> teaching the Bible verse by verse. And she was in the basement of a church with 30 women preaching on the Holy Spirit one day, just teaching on the person of the Holy Spirit. And a woman got up and left and came back and said, Miss Coleman, may I say something? And she said, sure, dear. She would say, sure, darling. And she had an exaggerated personality, by the way. Add that to it. Mm -hmm. And the woman said, I had, a bre I had a tumor the size of a lemon in my left breast, and it's gone now. Catherine never really prayed much for people. It was just more of a teaching, expositional teaching kind of thing. But from that day on through the rest of her life until she passed, um, um, that glorious atmosphere of Ephraim would come in wherever she was. And she didn't classically pray for the sick. The Lord would do the work and... And that just started happening. But she didn't hump it or pump it or pray or fast or seek or ask or anything. She was just being faithful at her post, doing the next right thing, and the Lord decided to do something different. So we're all candidates for that. Mm -hmm. Praise his holy name. Thank you, Father. Start it here, Lord, if you want to. We have a little altar, but your fire can consume even a small altar. Come, Holy Spirit. Defy our expectations, Lord. Disarm our ways of functioning and being, Lord. Have your way, God. Have your way. But we just pray that that you would magnify your name in all the earth and that you would share the beauty of your holiness, Lord, upon your precious saints, Lord. And we just thank you so much the Philistines will be disarmed and disabled and immobilized as it was with the atmosphere of Ephraim through Samuel. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. We love you. God bless you. If we feed you, feed us. Amen. If you feel led of the Lord, if you're blessed by anything here, you, you have the privilege of blessing us if you choose. We'd love to partner with you. And the Platinum Givers this week will get an actual bone of a saint, St. Bonaventure. I'm sorry, no, you won't get anything. <clears throat> Rick wants, wanted that. He perked up for a minute. <laughs> the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. The Lord lift his countenance unto you and give you peace. God bless you. We hope today's message has been a blessing to you, and if it has, please visit our website at drcraigjohnson.org. There you can find additional messages of encouragement. And if our ministry has been a blessing to you, please consider us in your ministry giving, as we depend solely on the financial assistance of our listeners like yourself. Also, please feel free to send any personal prayer requests. You can find us online at drcraigjohnson.org. God bless you.